I hope that the time you've spent here has given you a sense that you really can make a difference. Y'all, I don't think y'all understand how good it feels to be behind the mic right now. You're listening to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Got a lot to talk about. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm very excited, man. I'm just going to put it like that. I appreciate you guys, you know, who are always showing love. I know a few of you guys on my personal Facebook saw what I had to say about uh, the uh, Senate race down in Alabama last night. I know that's why a lot of you guys are here, but we got a lot to talk about. So if y'all excuse me, I'm going to go ahead and shout out these sponsors real quick. You know, I got to shout out my people at Medical Villa Pharmacy, 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard in Augusta. If you're looking for affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Humanitary House Juice Joint and Gallery on 305 8th Street in Augusta, Georgia. The house that love built, cold-pressed juice and health foods. If you've never been... Get Humanitary House in your life right now. 706-364-2518. 706-364-2518. AAA Iron and Fabrication. Look, a new sponsor, a new friend uh, to make it a difference. I want to thank Lindsay Ponder and his team over there at 2517 Deansbridge Road. AAA Iron and Fabrication. Uh, we, are re- we are ready to work for you. Do a lot of good things. I know a lot of you guys out there are sports fans. They do custom grills. So, I know a lot of you guys like to cook out. If you want to rep, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw the name Carolina Panthers out there. But I know, you know, a number of you guys uh, out here listening, you know, are Georgia based. So I know you guys root for those. Sorry, fool pigeons. But nevertheless, if you root for, you know, Panthers, uh, Panthers, Falcons, Cowboys, it doesn't matter. Look, Georgia's going to be. Uh, Georgia's one of four teams ready to play for national championship. But I'm look, I'm messing up the ad, man. At any rate, Triple A Iron and Fabrication. Real we are ready to work for you. 706-738-8044. 706-738-8044. Again, want to thank Mr. Ponder, his team. And also my my good friends, dear friends, uh, Jesse and Doris Willard, with your locally owned HR block at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepsibah. I recommend them personally because they're 25 years in the business and because they personally do my taxes straight like that. Uh, call the Willis today, 706-305-1412, 706-305-1412. People say, well, it's too early to call about taxes. It's December. Look, first of the year will be here in about three weeks. It Now's the time. You know, it's t- tax time is now. You know, go ahead and get those things taken care of. But, yeah, I want to talk about this uh, very briefly, talk about the Facebook post I shared uh, last night. I said, you know, what if Democrats uh, treated black people like a priority? Uh, instead of a last resort. And the reason why I said that was because I saw how basically black folks <laughs> saved Alabama. And I want to make sure I say that very specifically. I want to talk about African-Americans, not black women, black men. I don't want to be divisive in that regard because you had 98 percent of black men who voted for Doug Jones, uh, the Democrat. And you had 93 percent of black women who voted uh, for Doug, Doug Jones over Roy Moore. And look, understandably so, because Roy Moore, I mean, just and an incorrigible and just a a horrible candidate, you know, in in every way imaginable. But before I get into that, I just want to kind of give you guys a a taste of what we're going to talk about today. I want to ask the, ask a a number of questions. I want to ask, how is it that Hollywood can crumble, but the likes of folks like Donald Trump and uh, Roy Moore can stay relevant. Of course, I'm talking about in regards to, you know, the sexual allegations and, you know, all of these uh, salacious, um, 
you know, allegations and all of these uh, revelations that come out. How is it that, you know, they can take down the likes of Kevin Spacey, Charlie Rose, Harvey Weinstein. But, hey, Trump's still in the game. Uh, Roy Moore, you know, until late last night was uh, poised to be a, a state senator. I also want to uh, for my Augusta folks listening, you know, I got to speak my piece about the James Brown Arena and how I feel commissioners have dropped the ball. I know that. You know, it's it's on the table, off the table again. It's just it's very aggravating. I, I wish they would just be decisive and and make a decision. I also want to share our weekend winners. You know, I making a difference when we uh, first brought this thing to WKZK. It was a, it was a very versatile show. It, I feel that it's, it's still a versatile show, but I, I, it's really become you know very political and understandably so because you know those are things that are are most urgent and the things I feel like we need to have discussions about. But I also you know started the show to want to you know really to have it be an extension of myself and as much as I love social activism and social awareness and talking about politics I also got to talk about you know football and, and things like that as well so I'm gonna give you guys some weekend winners here real quick with all of that in mind let's talk about the reason why a lot of you guys are here and that is to ask the question you know what if Democrats treated black people like a priority instead of a last resort and a lot of this you know just come and let me just be perfectly clear because I have angst for the two-party system as a whole. I am disappointed in Democrats. I'm disappointed in Republicans. I'm really disappointed in how I feel that the establishment and by extension corporations really, you know, uh, isolate, I think, just uh, everyday folks uh, from the, the political process and create this level of apathy that is so profound that most of the time people really don't want to participate in the process. And I under, and Personally, I understand that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. And it is something that I think is done intentionally. And, you know, not only the aspect of discouraging people, but also misinforming them about what really happens politically. So I, I never want to trivialize that. But let's talk about Alabama here for a minute. And to be perfectly honest for you, the fact that Roy Moore was a player with the allegations that came out and with, you know, just the I mean, it. it I think the best word to describe uh, Roy Moore's campaign and the people around Roy Moore was a, a cesspool. I mean, it was a cesspool of bigotry of, I mean, when, when you look at the uh, the uh, pedophilia, those allegations that came out, I think it was just it was just a total uh, Petri dish of, of filth. And the scary thing is, had Roy Moore been a little less weird, a little less dirty then the likelihood that uh, Roy Moore or those of his ilk, and I'm just saying this strictly from a, a political party aspect, uh, it, it's it's very likely that a Roy Moore or uh, that Roy Moore type, you know, would have won and the Republicans uh, would have, you know, held on to that seat. So the fact that Roy Moore was even in play, you know, I think it's a and we, we always talk about, you know, I, I talk about L's, L's meaning losses. That's that's an L for America. That's an L for the for Alabama, for America, for Alabama. It's an L for the political process. I think the only the only win I can see here, you know, I know Democrats are happy and, you know, people that are affiliated with Democrats are, are happy. I'm I really can't get into that whole that whole glitter party, you know, clean this glitter up for real. Um, the, the win that I see is that black folks got politically involved. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's the only like redeemable um, result or outcome, you know, of everything that's happened here. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I mean, Doug Jones won, that's cool, but I'm not, you know, 
like I, black folks got politically involved. That's that's what I got out of this. And they got involved enough to where they had a profound political impact. And I'll tell you another reason why I'm not going to harp on the result per se is because this is only a test. I mean, like literally this is, you know, this is a not so much a pop quiz, but it's definitely a quiz. Next year is the midterm, literally the midterm. That's when I want to see people get politically involved. That's when I want y'all to, as the young kids say, have that same energy. <laughs> have that same energy when we're getting out in November 2018, getting to the polls, telling people, hey, this is what we need to be doing. This is what we need to do to, to, cre to create that paradigm shift to get some of these uh, these T publicans, not Republicans, some of these T publicans, you know, out of office. That's. Um, that's when we need to, to really have a political impact. Don't let an anomaly of an election deter you from continuing in your political involvement. And that's not only for Alabamians, that is for everyone across the board, because I've seen how these things happen. And, you know, we did the same thing when we had President Obama. People were really chill. Oh, man, we got Obama. Everything's cool. That was 2008, you know, uh, 2012 reelected. And every, everybody was like, oh, man, it's all good. It's all good. 2014 got smashed in the midterms. And what did that set up? That set up the current state of affairs where you have folks like Donald Trump and well, Roy, Roy, uh, Roy Moore before last night. You had these folks running them up. So stay woke. Stay aware of what's going on, not only locally, statewide. But understand how all of those things work together to create a national picture and understand why. It's very real that you, yes, you, the individual, be politically aware of what's going on. I think I mean, that's that's vitally important. I think that's that's one of the main lessons to take, you know, out of what's happened here. And, you know, why this this commentary and, and all these things are so important. But I think another important thing uh, to understand is make no mistake about it. I, I've been, you know, I, I'm friends with, you know, folks from Alabama, went to school uh, with folks from Alabama. And apparently Doug Jones uh, courted the voters. there something serious. I mean, one young lady um, put it in terms of she said that Doug Jones had been sending out love notes in terms of, you know, some of the stuff that she was getting in the mail, you know, just in, encouraging, you know, folks to get out to vote. Now, we all know politicians man when it's when it's that season and you know what it is y'all gonna love this man i mean basically it's cuffing season like this is political cuffing season when they sending out all the flyers and they all over the radio and they all in your face you know how it is when it's cuffing season but once they once they in there once they in the seat then you know it's different it's not cuffing season anymore people start taking you for granted they're not feeling you the way they was feeling you and you know, hopefully this isn't the case with Doug Jones. But if, you know, politics is in the indication, if 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 history is an indication, you got to You got to hold folks accountable. Just like, you know, when somebody trying to talk to you and they calling you three times a day and they sending flowers and all this type of stuff, it's all good. But then, you know, once they, you know, get 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 what they getting or whatever. Now, all of a sudden it's, you know, well, why you why you calling me all the time? And, you know, the, the game start changing. So you what you have to do, you have to hold people accountable. And it's the same thing politically. I like that example, man. Y'all y'all share that with your people, man, because that's exactly what it's like in this in this political game, man. But back to the OG point. What if Democrats treated 
black people as a priority instead of a last resort. Because once again, you know, and, and, and we see this in elections where, you know, if it's a if it's a close election, all of a sudden the media falls like that and saying, well, I wonder what black people think. I wonder how, how they're going to vote. And a lot of times that translates very simply for me. That is, look, Democrats are saying, hey, we need um, it, it's, it's really Democratic entitlements. Because Democrats assume that if you're black, you're going to vote Democrat. That's when they care about what's going on with black folks. They care about, you know, the black vote when it comes to uh, political survival or when it comes to, you know, getting a seat. But do you care about black people when it comes to economic disparity? Do you care about black people when it comes to social justice? With that in mind, I want to share a story. Um, that I actually or an article that I posted on the uh, Making a Difference Facebook page. If you haven't uh, gone there, you need to get that in your life. You need to follow that immediately. Um, but uh, nevertheless, AL.com, UN poverty official touring Alabama's black belt. Uh, his quote, I haven't seen this in the first world. Uh, a UN official, United Nations official who tours the globe investigating extreme poverty said uh, this was around uh, the beginning of the month. Uh, said that areas of Alabama's black belt are suffering the most dire sewage disposal crisis of any place he has visited in a developed country. Uh, this is a Philip Alston, the UN special uh, rapporteur on extreme poverty and human rights said, I think it's very uncommon in the first world. This is not a site that one normally sees. I'd have to say that I haven't seen this. He toured a Butler County, Alabama community where raw sewage flows from homes through exposed PVC pipes and into open trenches and pits. That's disgusting. I mean, it's it's despicable. It's it's politics as usual. It's a politics where the only time you hear from elected officials is when it's campaign season. And the other times you I mean, you don't hear from them at all. This brings me to a, a comment that someone had made. Uh. Actually, on my personal page, they were saying, you know, how they were looking forward to uh, to the podcast. And they said, imagine if black folk treated midterm elections as a priority. It's easy to take folks that don't consistently vote for granted. It's the voters responsibility to hold their elected officials accountable. Again, it's the voters responsibility to hold their elected officials accountable. And I agree with that in every uh, way, uh, shape and form possible. I would only like to add that I, I think people really. uh I don't want to say trivialize, but there, there needs to be an understanding that the uh, governmental response, uh, governmental responsibility um, and personal responsibility there. I mean, there has to be a mutual relationship there and there has to be a relationship in terms of understanding why is it that people don't get involved more in the political process, you know, and. And we have to understand that apathy is a part of that. But we also have to understand that, you know, government at times does things that keeps the layman, that keeps the everyday person out of the political process. And so, you know, the, the way I always try to encourage people is never be intimidated um, to speak up, you know, when it comes to, you know, challenging your elected officials on any level, local, state, national these are people that we elect. These are people that we appoint uh, to, you know, to handle the business of the people. Simple as that. And when they don't, I mean, we need we need to get on their case. I think a lot a lot of times, you know, we get lost into all of this political jargon and rhetoric and jibber jabber where you feel like if you challenge your government to make 
the world around you better to allocate your tax, um, your, your, you know, the, your tax resources or, you know, allocate taxpayer funds into a way to make sure community better. Some people feel like that's, you know, well, you're, you know, you're looking for entitlements. And I say that's BS because when I look at corporations and, and the way I, when I see, the way I see government on all levels, roll out the red carpet for corporations. And I, and the thing I always ask is, well, shoot, if they can do it for a corporation, do it for your boy, do it for the community. That's, that's my approach to politics. It's not about, you know, I'm looking for some extra. I'm looking for government to make everybody's life better. And that includes my life as well. If you're just checking in or you fast forwarded, you're listening to making a difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We just talked about um, the Alabama Senate race and more importantly, um, the ramifications, I think, politically and how uh, the lessons that we can learn from it. I want to talk about, you know, and I'm sure this is intriguing to a lot of us, is how in the world is it that, you know, these guys in Hollywood, you know, are, are really uh, taking a fall and, and rightfully so. Um, and for, you know, some of the sexual revelations, the, some of the revelations that are coming out in terms of sexual harassment. But, you know, uh, individuals like Donald Trump and Roy Moore are, you know, are seemingly uh, immune to uh, I, I won't say entirely immune, but are allowed to still exist um, politically, even in the midst of these allegations. And before I jump to the specifics of that. I do want to talk about, you know, some of these things that we're seeing come out in general. And I would just say most recently uh, there was something uh, in the NFL world uh, or in football world, sports world uh, with NFL Network, where uh, Hall of Famer Marshall Falk and uh, Heath Evans uh, were among some of the gentlemen who had been accused of some of those allegations. And really, and, and again, understandably so, we're seeing corporations take a scorched earth approach uh, to these allegations. Basically, you know, if. These things come out, you know, you're going to be suspended indefinitely. And we're seeing a lot of these cases where, you know, if there's if there's smoke, people are saying, hey, there's a fire and you're fired. And I'm seeing a, a lot of responses to that. And here's where I'm going to, you know, because there I mean, there, there's there's a fine line here. And, I, and I'm just going to address it in this entirety. And, you know, how, how I feel not so much how people should, you know, address, you know, these particular um, incidents, but just kind of, a just some general rules of thumb. And I think the most important thing to understand, because I am starting to see now, and I, I saw where people are saying, well, you know, these allegations are starting to reach a saturation point. And I would never say anything like that because I think the most important aspect of what we're seeing here is that victims who have been silenced or have been isolated for so long now or starting or are getting an opportunity to stand up and be able to speak to power and be able to expose, you know, some of the things that have happened in their personal lives and, you know, and, and abroad. And I, I don't think I know that's a very good thing. I just only wish that there was a, a real paradigm shift because what I'm seeing here is that this should be a, a, a social, this, this should change things socially. But what I think is happening in terms of the allegations that are coming out, it's more of something that falls along the realm of entertainment. And I think that really does uh, the community at large a disservice. I don't think we should ever put ourselves in a position to where uh, victims of sexual assault, of rape, um, of harassment 
should be put in a place where they're made caricatures of or to be put in a position where we don't take them seriously. Now, the reason why I'm talking about a, a paradigm shift and, and why there should be a cultural shift, but there's not is, you know, what with, with these allegations coming out? I mean, does it change the dynamic between men and women? And, and let me explain it this way. Because if there was a paradigm shift, if there was a cultural shift, I think you would see uh, more of an element of mutual respect between men and women in terms of, you know, you people kind of step back from the cat calling, you know, different things like that. I don't think you see that. And I think on the whole, people are going to continue to do what they do. People are going to continue to have, you know, some of the thoughts that they have, uh, whether misogynistic, chauvinistic or otherwise. And, and that's disappointing. I, I do want to add this, though, because. People are asking a legitimate question. How far is too far when you talk about, you know, the sexual allegations and, you know, to say allegations, you know, to talk about speculation versus things that have actually happened, you know, how how far is too far? Because, again, you know, we're taking this scorch earth approach and literally nobody is safe. You know, I'm hearing just today alone. I've heard stories about Tevis Smiley. I heard a story, uh, some late breaking news from the Associated Press, where it looks like a Kentucky uh, legislator committed suicide uh, behind some of those allegations. I don't I can't necessarily say whether it was true or false and what led him to do that. But I, I, we're getting to a place where it's very, a, a very unhealthy place. And I mean, if it's an issue of. You know. I'll say it this way. It's one thing when you say, OK, this person has committed sexual assault. This person has raped someone. It's a it's a different dynamic when you say, well, you know, maybe there's a coworker, or somebody at work that you were interested in. Maybe you asked them out on a date. Maybe it's, you know, something like that where someone someone in this social climate. I mean, it's it's entirely possible where they say, well, this person made a pass at me or this person came on to me. And, you know, it it, it puts it puts people in, in an awkward position for sure. I will say this and, you know, we're going to uh, go to commercial. I don't think these stories will ever reach a saturation point, and I don't think they should reach a saturation point. But ultimately, what I would like to see is if we're going to harp on what I believe is an important issue, I would like to see a more socially conscious form of accountability where we give victims of sexual assault victims of you know these sexual conflicts and audience where they can speak unashamed but where we also if it's an issue of allegations where we allow the room allow room to let the truth come out james brown arena and weekend winners when we come back to making a difference my name is lauren macon and you are listening to making a difference with my handsome husband ken macon You probably thought they only do porch railings and iron doors, but at AAA Iron and Fabrication, they do a whole lot more. They do grills, that's right. They fabricate custom grills for your cookout needs. They forge team-specific iron doors, meaning that you can show support for the Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs, or whichever team you love. Of course, they do a top-notch job with the services you are familiar with. They can make your porch look like new with hundreds of styles of railings, and they also provide security and style with window bars. 
AAA Iron and Fabrication is located at 2517 Deansbridge Road. They've been in business for decades and they take pride in serving the Augusta community and surrounding areas. AAA Iron and Fabrication, they are ready to work for you. AAA Iron and Fabrication, 706-738-8044, 706-738-8044. Tell them you heard this ad on Making a Difference and you'll get 15% off your order. You could be giving the government way too much money and not even know it. Taxes can be complicated and the law changes often. It can be confusing when it comes to exploring all of your available tax saving options. Hi, I'm Doris Willard, and this tax season, come to the people you trust to know everything there is to know about getting you the most money, your locally owned H&R Block. Stop by our office today at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. H&R Block, the one you know and trust. Humanitry House Juice Joint and Gallery is a unique oasis in the cultural corridor of downtown Augusta. We are a place for all to come and for all to be. We have a spectacular range of organic goodness, all of which is 100% free of animal products. We use only the highest quality ingredients with our priorities being vegan, organic, and local. Everything here is made with love from ingredients chosen with you and the earth's health and satisfaction in mind. We use organic locally sourced produce and are always striving to find ways to reduce and reuse. We cold press our own juices and also serve raw food options, including vegan desserts, grab and go wraps and salads and smoothies. We have a great selection of kids' juices and smoothies created with taste, texture, and nutrition in mind. We have a small entertainment stage that has become one of the favorite small stage venues of many artists, musicians, and music lovers. Humanitry House, we pride ourselves on doing things a little differently and seek to offer you an experience like no other in a setting that feels like home. Our home is your home. Humanitry House is more than a brand. We consider ourselves family to everyone who walks through our doors and everyone who is working towards living, juicing, and eating better. This includes a healthy lifestyle that will promote our children, parents, siblings, and all family members within our community. Although we sell fruit, vegetable, wheatgrass, sea moss, and smoothies and herbs, we are a juice bar. We are cheers for the healthy folk. Instead of a shot of hard liquor, you can get a shot of wheatgrass or E3 Live. If you need a healthy and cool social hangout spot that has a diverse group of people, then come visit Humana Treehouse. Everything here is made with love. Let family and friends see you juicing, eating healthy, and feeling great overall and watch it spread. Come visit Humana Treehouse at our new location located at 305 8th Street in downtown Augusta, right across the street from our old location. You can contact us at 706-364-2518 or find us on the web at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Humanitreehouse or www.humanitreehouse.com. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I want to talk about the James Brown Arena for a second. And, you know, before I talk about Augustus Commissioners and the black majority on the Augusta Commission, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the interview that we did about a about a month or so ago with Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis, where we talked about the James Brown Arena. And we also started a series called The Poverty Problem. I just want to encourage you to 
uh, uh, take a step back, listen to that interview. I mean, obviously keep listening to making a difference now, but when you guys get done with this piece, if you just want, you know, some added perspective and, you know, to hear from the mayor himself, I think that would be a great interview uh, for you guys to listen to really enjoy talking with the mayor with all that in mind. just want to, Keep you guys updated with the latest in terms of the James Brown Arena, because I mean, it's as simple as this. Uh, the commissioners. Well, and I'll just I'm going to say the black commissioners, because really this the the topic of the James Brown Arena and whether the uh, proposal to build a new James Brown Arena on the uh, former Regency Mall property is really up to the really up to what the black commissioners decide they're going to do. There are six black commissioners on the commission for white. Uh, the four white, I mean, they are in lockstep for all intents uh, and purposes. You know, they're voting. They're voting down on it. They're voting no. It's the black commissioners uh, whom. And and, I, and let me just just say this. And again, just to give you guys some perspective, I am in favor of the new of building the new James Brown Arena on the Regency Mall property for one, I believe, very simple and profound reason. And that reason is I believe that. An economic jewel like the James Brown Arena can be just a thing to revitalize the South Augusta area, which is an area that, number one, has not been revitalized, has, has not been economically empowered by the city of Augusta for the better part of 20 years. And that's the and that's the, the long and the short of it. But also with my understanding that Augusta being a predominantly black town, but also understanding that there is a concentration of black folks in South Augusta who have not seen that economic empowerment, who have not seen that economic development. And I understand how when you don't have initiatives uh, to promote that kind of success, then you see the, the types of the level of poverty that you see in South Augusta and make no mistake about it. You know, there's there's poverty all over Augusta. But I'm saying that to say there needs to be a focus in South Augusta. And this is a unique opportunity, a rare opportunity, a once in a generation opportunity. Uh, to see something like this in South Augusta and to watch the commissioners botch it. And in, in, in some regards, the, the mayor do the same as well is really disappointing. I want to pick up the conversation in regards to the James Brown Arena. And the date I want to put in perspective is November the 30th. Why November the 30th? Because that's the date that Commissioner Sammy Sias, one of the black commissioners, said they wanted to have a deal uh, by that date. Why they would set that particular deadline and keep in mind, at the point that he said it, I want to say that was about it was like November 20th, maybe some sometime around in basically less than two weeks in less than two weeks. He wanted them to basically finalize the proposal to say, OK, we're going to have a deal or we're not going to have a deal. So keep in mind that date was set November 30th. Now, the commission met, I want to say, very early December uh, to well the first the first Tuesday in December, which would have been. December 5th to vote up or down this proposal. Now, the deal that was on the table, and this is, again, where things really start to fall off the rails, according to reports, was, again, they had to come up with a deal by November the 30th. So you have this ridiculous, almost impossible deadline that, you know, the city understandably, you know, couldn't meet. But there was a substitute motion by one of the, by one of the black commissioners. I want to say Marion Williams to extend uh, the negotiation um, process 45 days, which I think uh, commissioners were 
uh, had a had a were gridlocked on. So the mayor came in to break the tie. Now, at that point, everybody's thinking, well, at that point. You know, they, they voted to extend uh, to extend these negotiations and the mayor, you know, wanted to adjourn the meeting. Now, <laughs> again, this is uh, government uh, at, at, at work and I'm so, uh, sarcasm font. So they came, they actually came back. And when they came back, they voted. Uh, they came back and voted seven one to uh, reject uh, the proposal to put the uh, to build a new James Brown Arena at the Regency Mall. So to review, they come up with this impossible deadline, which they couldn't meet. Then they have a substitute motion to say, hey, let's extend negotiations for for 45 days, which they initially agreed on. And then the mayor's like, hey, let's just end the meeting right here. Which, of course, again, it's going to draw controversy. The city officials came back or the commission came back and voted the proposal down. Now, hearing all of that, you're probably thinking, well, that should be the end of that proposal, right? Nope. And that's where things get to be really ridiculous. And I'm and I'm just saying, look, I've given you the the details in terms of how the vote went and where the commissioners currently are. They're currently, and as it relates to the James Brown Arena and the old Regency Mall property, I mean, they're basically play, playing a game of hokey pokey. And what it does is it makes the commission look bad. And in particular, it makes black commissioners look bad. Here's what I had to say, you know, in the hours uh, to follow the uh, decision to look, I guess now I can say initially vote down the proposal. I said today we mourn the black majority of the Augusta Richmond County Commission. Apparently six out of 10 black commissioners isn't enough to constitute a majority or to constitute an ounce of courage. Hashtag James Brown Arena. That is still how I feel because the Augusta commissioners had one job, one. The one job for them was if you did not like the deal. As currently constructed, there was an out for you to take an additional 45 days to come up with a deal that you liked. I understand the heartburn about the origins of the deal. I even understand the heartburn about the deal itself. But as commissioners, particularly as black commissioners, you held the economic destiny of a region in your city, in your hands, and you fumbled it you know, in the fourth quarter. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible and it's inexcusable. And I just want, I'm, I'm going to put everything here in perspective because the first question you may be asking if you're on the outside looking in is, Ken, well, why do you talk about a black majority and a, white major, a black majority on the commission where you have six out of 10 of the commissioners being black? And I'm just going to very briefly put this in perspective for you because Augusta politics, there's always been, Oh, racial. I'm not even going to say undertones. I'm going to say racial overtones on the Augusta Commission because of the nature in which uh, the government was established. Well, Augusta government as currently constructed was established. And so you have uh, the 10 commissioners and a weak mayor. All It was established in consolidation. The idea was that the way that the districts were set up, that you would basically have five white commissioners and five black commissioners. And for the most part, that's how it's that's how it has stayed, even though with the demographics and the way that Augusta is shaking up. Uh, I guess is shaping uh, up to be, you're probably going to have more of a black majority. Well, and I use the term black majority loosely because apparently they don't know how to wield their political influence. Saying all that to say this, there was a point about four or five years ago where you had, where there was an instance where one of the predominantly black districts 
went to a white commissioner, that gentleman being Matt Aiken. And so you had six white commissioners on the commission. So you had a, a majority white commission. When those jokers got six, when I say the, those four black commissioners were roadkill, y'all, everything they wanted to pass, they passed it. I mean, they they were they ripped it up, down, the up, down, left, right, however they wanted to do it. It was an era where you uh, had the T-Center and parking deck deals, very controversial deals. Uh, they privatized a lot of, of city services, privatized transit. Uh, they privatized the uh, one of the local co- uh, golf courses, the patch. I mean, they really stuck it to, I guess, the residents. Now, there were a handful of voices, you know, speaking out against some of the things that were happening myself uh, included at that time, you know, really saying, well, hey, you know, what's going on with uh, this white majority? You know, the you had black commissioners that were trying to get their you know, concerns out. And it really just didn't happen because when when it came down to the vote, you knew how it was going to be. I mean, and those guys were it was they were in lockstep and that's what happened. So when you had a situation where you had a black majority on the commission, the when, when the black uh, majority was established on the commission, my concern was I knew and I looked at some of the stuff that had happened, you know, during that time. And one of my main concerns was for the commission or commissioners to, aside from being a united front, which to me at that point was just, hey, that's one of the, that's something that should be obvious, was for these guys to really go back and look at some of the things that had been done during that era and to, you know, undo those things or rework those things in a way that would help the citizenry at large, particularly um, the citizens that that look like that look like me, that look like you guys. That has not happened in the James Brown arena is a very good example of that. And the truth is, I know why commissioners didn't pull the trigger on this deal because they're scared because they are cowards. And the things and the people that they're scared of it, it, it really, it really doesn't profit them to be scared. They're scared of the media. You know, they're scared of some of the big money players in Augusta. They're scared of not being reelected, but here's the deal is that, you're in a catch 22 situation anyway, because guess what? Now that <laughs> whether you voted it down or not, people were going to say the same things that they're saying now. You know, these guys don't know the first thing about government. You know, they're they're indecisive. They lack courage. Whether it was voted up or down, the way that these guys handled the process ensured that they would still be ridiculed in the media. And instead of being ridiculed for standing up for the majority of Augustans instead of standing as a united front as commissioners. Now they're being ridiculed for not being decisive. Now they're being ridiculed for not being able to conduct good government. Now they're being ridiculed because again, the James Brown uh, arena proposal is on again, off again. And I think this provides a, a really good example for how we should approach the political process. And particularly if you're somebody that's listening to this podcast and you're interested in getting into uh, city government, because I think one of the biggest issues or one of the biggest problems that we have in terms of people getting elected is I don't think they understand the depths of what they're getting into. And I think that some people value getting reelected. Some people value, um, public perception over doing the business of the people. And that's what I'm seeing here uh, in, a, in Augusta with these black commissioners is they caved in to the pressure 
of a media backlash, a media that is worth mentioning does not look like me, does not look like these commissioners. And I mean, that's that's another podcast for another day when you talk about black media or the lack thereof. But these commissioners clearly caved into the pressure and they had an opportunity to really I mean, just within the most of these guys are in their first terms within a four year period, really be able to create an economic legacy for this area and create a legacy as leaders for themselves. And instead, they come off looking uh, looking like a bunch of stooges. Weekend winners and a special dedication when we come back. You're listening to Making a Difference. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College. Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Here with the weekend winners, we're just going to go down the NFL slate here very quickly. Uh, looks like uh, for Thursday Night Football, we got Denver at Indianapolis. Denver's looked awful. So, and I mean, not to say the Indianapolis has looked great, but in this instance, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the home team uh, at Indianapolis for the win. Uh, Chicago at Detroit. Give me Detroit. Uh, Chargers at Kansas City, which should be a good game. But I, I think Kansas City's finally getting their stuff together. Um, give me Kansas City there. Uh, Miami at Buffalo. I know Miami had a great win on Monday Night Football over the Patriots. That was at home. They are going to Buffalo where, I mean, who knows? It may be another uh, snowball or ice <laughs> or ice bowl again. Uh, give me uh, Buffalo, Baltimore at Cleveland. I like Baltimore. Cincinnati's at Minnesota. Cincinnati is trash can juice. I watched them uh, against Chicago last week. They, they were simply terrible. Give me Minnesota. Uh, the New York Jets at New Orleans. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Alva Kamara is going to play. It looks like in the short term, I mean, it, it looks like that he is going to play. But, I mean, either way, I'm going to go with New Orleans there. New York actually looked bad uh, at Denver last week. They were shut out. Got uh, Philadelphia, the Wentzless uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. I, you know, this is this is going to be a tough game to pick. At gunpoint, I'm going with Philadelphia. Wouldn't be surprised to see it go the other way. As bad as New York um, has looked, New York was was pretty competitive there for about three and a half quarters against Dallas, and then Dallas, you know, was able to pull away. Arizona and Washington. Look, they're just some matchups where you're just shaking your head, man, uh, this week. Give me Washington, give me Washington at home. Uh, Green Bay at my Carolina Panthers. I know you guys are happy about Aaron Rodgers coming back. I know some of you guys are going to put uh, your your fantasy football fate in the hands of a guy whose shoulder is not entirely 100%. If you want to do that, that's up to you. But I, um, I'm taking my Panthers. Got a lot to play for. Then again, you know, Green Bay does as well. That's why they brought Rodgers back. They're thinking, hey, we can get in the playoffs and make a run. Houston and Jacksonville going to take Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I tell you, man, one of one of the great stories of the league this year. J- 
just a, a bunch of guys who, you know, believe in each other. The win over Seattle said a lot, said a lot about that home crowd. You know, got got a little rowdy to a fault. You never want to have a situation where, you know, you're throwing uh, stuff at guys on the field. You know, you can have a malice at the palace type of incident. But got to love the passion, you know, of how, you know, of the fans to a point. But then definitely, you know, this team got got a lot of swagger, man. They look good. They're going to be Houston on Sunday. Seattle um, ran or excuse me, Los Angeles Rams at Seattle. You know, I got I got Los Angeles uh, in this game. But I, I tell you, that's that's really my heart saying Los Angeles, man. You know what? I'm going to just call it right here, man. Uh, go ahead and give it to Seattle. As good as the Rams have been, and, I mean, the Rams are in a position where, I mean, they could really – they could get a first-round bye, which is absurd. But in order to do it, I mean, they got to go to Seattle and win. I got my doubts, man. If, if it was in L.A., I think it would be a different story. But at Seattle, man, no, nah, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, um, I'm going Seahawks here. Pittsburgh, uh, New England at Pittsburgh. This is going to be, I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I think these teams are going to run it up, but Bill Belichick lives uh, rent free in uh, Mike Tomlin's mind. So New England Niners, Niners uh, showing some life here. Uh, of course, they don't have a lot to play for, but they're going to be Tennessee. Uh, Dallas is going to go to Oakland and get a win. And Atlanta's playing Tampa Bay on Monday night at Tampa Bay. Uh, still give me the Falcons. So to review, Indianapolis over Denver, Detroit over Chicago, Kansas City over the Chargers, Buffalo over Miami, Baltimore over Cleveland, Minnesota over Cincinnati, New Orleans over the New York Jets, Philadelphia over the New York Giants, Washington over Arizona, Carolina over Green Bay, Jacksonville over Houston, Seattle over Los Angeles, New England over Pittsburgh, San Francisco over Tennessee, Dallas over Oakland, and Atlanta over Tampa Bay. And now to close out the show, I want to talk about a great man whom I only learned about a few days ago, uh, the late great... Simeon Booker, who was an award-winning African-American journalist whose work appeared in leading news publications for more than 50 years. He was known for his journalistic works during the Civil Rights Movement and for his coverage of the 1955 murder of 14-year-old Emmett Till. He worked for the Washington Post, Jet, and Ebony. Uh, in his journalistic career in 1952, Booker became the first black reporter for the Washington Post. He was best known for his reporting during the Civil Rights Movement while working for Jet and Ebony magazines. As I mentioned, his coverage of the uh, murder of Emmett Till it's one of the most noted pieces of journalism from the era. Booker actually retired in 2007 at the age of 88 after serving as Jets Washington bureau chief for 51 years. During his long career, Booker was recognized by his peers with numerous awards, including a Newspaper Guild Award and a Wilkie Award. In 1982, he became the first African-American journalist to win a National Press Club's fourth estate award for lifetime contributions to journalism. January 2013, he was inducted into the National Association of Black Journalists Hall of Fame. He was nominated in February um, for a congressional gold medal. So just a, a really accomplished gentleman. But the reason why, you know, I was so inspired um, by some of the things he's able to accomplish is because I don't think people really understand that journalism is not um, an easy road. And. You know, I, with a lot of the things that are going on now in society, you know, where we're in this Trump era where, you know, journalism is is treated as fake news, where journalism is trivialized, where journalize, journalism at some times is sold to the highest bidder. You had individuals who practice journalism, who practice research against all odds, who practiced it during an era where you had 
tragedies happening like Emmett Till, where you where there were great and profound social injustices. And we still have some of those social injustices happen today. When you think about police, police brutality, when you think about just some of the, you know, economic disparities that we see. And so I want to end the show by saluting a man who, you know, stood with so much integrity, who was a trailblazer. And I just want to challenge you guys who, you know, are out there listening to the podcast that, you know, it's, it's up to us now. You know, we're always looking for a hero. We're always looking for somebody to step up and say something. Well, that person may be you. If you see something uh, that's going on in your community and you believe it's wrong, don't be afraid to challenge the establishment. Don't be afraid to challenge, you know, elected officials. Don't be afraid to challenge the people in your community. Hey, it may be something you have to say to your pastor, like, hey, pastor, this isn't right. You know, maybe something where you speak to a politician, you say, well, hey, Mr. Politician, that isn't right. Don't be afraid to speak truth to power. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. And with that, we're going to close out another great episode of Making a Difference. Always glad to be able to spend this time with you guys. Don't be selfish. Um, Share the word, you know, with people about the Making a Difference movement. Just want to thank, you know, all all the sponsors once again. want to thank you guys, the listeners. I love you guys so much. Enjoy your holiday season. Peace and God bless. Did you enjoy that episode of Making a Difference? If you did, then I want you to follow and keep up with the Making a Difference movement on Twitter, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. If you're looking us up on iTunes, search for Making M-A-K-I-N-A Difference. SoundCloud, all you got to do is go to soundcloud.com backslash Making a difference on Twitter. The handle is difference making M A K I N, and on Facebook you can go to facebook.com backslash making a difference show S H O W. Thank you guys so much for supporting the movement. Love you guys. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.